The text we're going to listen to now, beloved in the Lord, follows immediately on the text that Father Andrew read and preached on last week at the liturgy for bright Wednesday night. The reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. But when the officers came and did not find Peter and John in the prison, they returned and reported to the Sanhedrin, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, the chief priest heard these things, <clears throat> they wondered what the outcome would be. Then one came and said to them, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people, and asked that they be put out, that they put out the apostles outside for a little while. And then he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. 
And after this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if, that, if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. When they had called back the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Messiah. And this is the word of the Lord. Now, the apostles were finally released by the Sanhedrin at the intervention of one of its most distinguished members. Rabbi Gamaliel I was a leading authority in the Sanhedrin in the mid-first century. He was the grandson of the great Jewish teacher Hillel the Elder. He died 20 years or so before the destruction of the Second Temple in AD 70, suggesting around 52. The opinions of Gamaliel were often cited in the Mishnah and the Talmud with great authority. The name Gamaliel is the Greek form of the Hebrew name meaning reward of God. In the book of Acts, St. Peter and the others are described as being prosecuted by the Sanhedrin for continuing to preach the gospel. They did this despite the Jewish authorities having previously prohibited it as recently as Wednesday night of last week. This passage describes Gamaliel as resenting an argument against killing the apostles reminding the Sanhedrin about previous revolts which are based upon beliefs that such individuals as Theodos and Judas of Galilee were the prophesied Messiah. These had collapsed quickly after the death of those individuals. The Sanhedrin had not had to do anything about it. They just collapsed. 
Now, the authority of Gamaliel with his contemporaries was so great that they accepted his advice, regardless of how unwelcome it was. We find the Sanhedrin pretty much for the rest of the Acts of the Apostles, leaving the church alone. Not entirely, but the Sanhedrin does. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean Herod will, for example, in chapter 12 of, of, uh, of Acts, up in the north, up in Galilee, there'll continue to be persecution to Christians, um, including the, the, uh, the killing of, um, of James. There's an irony in this whole story. Remember that St. Paul, in one of the last sermons he gives at Jerusalem, when he's being apprehended, Paul brags, he boasts, of having been taught by Gamaliel. It's really very interesting. He apparently didn't learn very much. No, didn't learn very much. Just four chapters later, we find him going to Damascus to, to persecute the Christians, notwithstanding the advice given by Gamaliel, his, his teacher. Now, many Christians have believed Gamaliel was a convert to the Christian faith. According to Phocius, for example, Phocius the Great, Gamaliel was baptized by St. Peter and St. John, together with, the son, with his son and with Nicodemus. I can say this much. And if he did, if he was baptized, it had to be very secret because he would certainly not be cited in the, in the mission of the Talmud as an authority if he had converted to the Christian church. Nonetheless, the Orthodox Church, they tend to latch onto lots of people and make them saints. I saw an icon some years ago of Abraham Lincoln, for example. I mean, I really did. I'm not making it up. Um, it was authorized by the, the abbot of the monastery out in Plotina. Abbot Herman authorized this icon of, of uh, St. Abraham Lincoln. That did not catch on either, at least so far, at least so far. Uh, I have not seen an icon, however, of Jefferson Davis. But who knows what the future holds. But the Orthodox Church, not in her dogma, but in her piety, 
The Orthodox Church venerates Gamaliel as a saint. In fact, he has a feast day in the calendar, August the 2nd. The date when tradition holds that his relics were found along with those of St. Stephen and Nicodemus. And the supposed relics of, of uh, Gamaliel actually are buried in a Christian church. Um, since John the Baptist is buried in a mosque, it just seems to, Christians are very confused in that part of the world. That's all I would say. They're very, very confused. In the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, there's a painting by Carlo Sardicini about, from about 1615. I don't have a colored printer at home. So the best I could do was this. I know you can't see it, it just looks like a big blur to you. Okay. I'm looking from here, it looks like a big blur to me as well. <laughs> but there's a very interesting painting from the early 17th century by Sardicini. It portrays Stephen lying there, having been stoned. He's wearing, he's wearing, his, he's wearing his deacon's vestments, dressed just like you. There are two figures leaning over him and weeping over his body. These two figures are Gamaliel and Nicodemus. Now Luke tells us nothing of this. His story of Gamaliel, nonetheless, portrays him as an eminently honorable man. You see, even when the gospel is not accepted, many times, the gospel is not accepted, some people are in fact improved by it. This past week I've been reading an essay by a Jew named George Steiner. And some of it is extremely eloquent and deeply moving. He can't because he doesn't have the faith. He can't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And yet he does recognize and says that the rejection of Jesus as Messiah deprived Israel of certain very important dimensions of their own Messianic theology, particularly with regard to the, the Psalms and the book of Isaiah. He recognizes this. And the way he describes Jesus hanging on the cross and forgiving those who are killing him has made a, a very deep impression 
on on uh, on Steiner. Didn't become a Christian, but this elicited this elicited from a civil philosophical perspective a deep sympathy. He gave one of the strongest arguments I have ever heard for nonviolence. To read a, a Jewish thinker who believes in nonviolence? Really? How rare that is? But Gamaliel is portrayed as an eminently honorable man. He's contrasted with other members of the Sanhedrin by his breadth of tolerance and his sense of justice. The church has not always been able to expect that. The church should ask no favors. Should ask no favors at all. Any favor the government gives us, forget it. They can take it back anytime they want. And we've We've learned that over this past year. So Gamaliel is contrasted with other members of the Senate because of this sense of decency. And that's really, really all the church asks for in the world. And these are features that endear him to Christians. I'm not at all sure that all the people who have, over the centuries, leaders who claim to be Christians really were. I'm not at all persuaded of that. When I look at the behavior of kings and emperors who call themselves Christians. The church can always, cannot always and should not always expect full acceptance of the gospel. But God gives us an atmosphere of decency. For that we give thanks. Amen.